mold illness, Lyme disease, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, digestive issues, and other hidden infections. We're gonna dive deep into this topic today with Dr. Diane Mueller. wake up and it's morning and wake up and it's like, what's wrong with me today? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And so all of these types of subconscious thoughts, you know, that are just firing because it feels like we can't control them because we haven't learned how to control them yet. And those types of thoughts are actually secreting cortisol. They're secreting adrenaline. And so they're really ramping up the process of the PTSD and that sort of thing and how we get ahead of it. You know, if we're gonna stay away from anti-anxiety medications, which I would recommend for most people, how we get ahead of that is actually to get to the root of what's triggering those things. And if we're not in an, a truly an acute situation that really is fight or flight, what's triggering cortisol, what's triggering adrenaline, largely has so much to do with what we're thinking. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you for pressing play today. Out of all the options out there, you chose us, and we are super grateful. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today, we have Dr. Diane Mueller, who's the author of Use Your Mind to Heal Your Mold and Lime, A Survivor's Guide. This is a very important episode for your health, for your healing journey, because we're going to discuss hidden infections, meaning you could be doing keto, carnivore, fasting, perfect to the T along with your exercise. But if you have an underlying hidden stressor or stressors, it'll prevent your body from healing. You're going to learn about mold illness, how to even assess if you have mold in your home. We're going to ask some simple questions, how to test, how to do detox the right way, common symptoms of mold illness. I'm going to share my story of having mold in my home and what that did to wreck my health. And then we'll get into, of course, her backstory, which is super interesting. She had IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome at a very young age. Sometimes she would go weeks without a bowel movement. And she went down the conventional path, but realized we need to think outside of that box. And she's going to share what she did to heal her body and why she's so dedicated to speaking out and educating on mold and Lyme. And speaking of Lyme, what exactly is Lyme? You know, Lyme is everywhere. It's not just in the Northeast. It is everywhere. And it could trigger autoimmune disease. And there's flaws in conventional testing. We share the right way to test. Some of the easy things you can do right away to get started and heal your body from Lyme. 
and other harmful toxins that have a big impact on brain fog, the nervous system, what they do for the gut, fungal infections, candida, kidney inflammation. And also my favorite part of the episode was how your thoughts and emotions impact your health, the subconscious mind, and how that relates to secreting cortisol and adrenaline. The problem with anti-anxiety medications and so much more. This is a very deep, important episode. We dive deep into her book, which you can get. We'll drop a link down below and put all the resources mentioned on today's episode, including timestamps that could be found down below. Before I bring on Dr. Mueller, I want to get to today's Apple podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from C. Senges, titled, Podcast to Follow for a Best You. This podcast has the best health options for a better you. The special guests are so inspiring and great resources to keep on my learning journey. Transform your quality of life and expand your knowledge. Much love to Ben and the team. Much love right back to you. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful you are expanding your knowledge and it's inspiring to transform your quality of life. That's the goal. So I appreciate you leaving that rating and review. We are honored that you're listening to us and you took the time to leave that review. It really helps. And if you have not left the Keto Cam Podcast a rating and review on whatever platform you're tuning in from today, please take a minute or so to pause this right now, scroll down to that rating and review section and leave an honest rating and review. And hey, maybe I'll read your review and give you a shout out on the next episode. I know that keto and intermittent fasting and carnivore and keto flexing and all the things we teach could be overwhelming, kind of like drinking from a fire hose of information. What if there was an option for you to get plugged into a step-by-step program to teach you how to do this the right way, which doesn't require too much time, but gives you the exact structure that I used on thousands and thousands of people to achieve metabolic health. Along with coaching from me and my Keto Camp coaches, we have Coach Jonathan, Shane, we have Coach Becky Niles, Coach Alina Nazari, and an amazing community. This is called our Keto Camp Academy. And if you want to learn more about our Keto Camp Academy and how to get actual health coaching from me and our coaches, just shoot, shoot me a message on Instagram with the word energy. My Instagram handle is at the Ben Azadi. And just direct message me with the word energy. And let's see if this is a good fit for us. I'll give you some details and we'll figure it out together. Without further ado, let's get into this fantastic conversation with Dr. Diane Mueller. Dr. Diane Mueller has a double doctorate degree and is certified in functional medicine. A large part of her passion is helping women live the life they want to live, full of purpose, happiness, and health. She built her medical practice through sweat, tears, and love from the ground up. It is now one of the top 4% of all businesses in the United States. She's passionate about delivering high-quality and high-touch medical service to those in her practice, as well as coaching female entrepreneurs on how to develop a business they love to run and does not run them. Here's Dr. Diane Mueller. Okay, Dr. Diane Mueller, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. I'm so excited to be here, Ben. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me today. You wrote an amazing book. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to hold it up. It's called Use Your Mind to Heal, Mold, and Lime. It rhymes. How to Harness the Power of the Mind 
Body and Functional Medicine Treatments to Heal Lyme, Mold, and Chronic Infections. This book is very important. Please, for those listening and watching, this conversation is very important and life-changing because we love keto and fasting and all that's great. But if you have any of these hidden infections, keto and fasting will not work to the extent you want it to work. And we're going to dive deep into that. Diane's shaking her head because she's like, yep, that's right. (laughs) I know that as a a kid, you struggled with IBS and you went down the conventional routes and (laughs) commonly misdiagnosed, missing the mark conventional medicine. So share your story and what you did to research outside of that medical box. Yeah. So basically the IBS stuff started when I was very, very young and it was chronic constipation. And as I aged and tracked it better, sometimes it was up to two weeks that I would go without having a bowel movement. And that was kind of my first intro to conventional medicine doesn't have the answers for everything, you know, because I went to so many people, I got the big old stamp that said IBS and I was sent on my way. And when my symptoms started getting worse and worse, and I started needing to travel with multiple size pants because I would never know how bloated and distended I was going to be that given day, that was part of what got me into researching things like nutrition and herbs and just alternative ways of doing medicine. So ultimately, the IBS component was what got me into naturopathic medical school as far as my interests. And then my symptoms that led to my profession in Lyme and mold started after that. Yeah, you know, your story of pain to purpose, how common is it for a lot of uh, practitioners in our space, right? They go through a pain, they discover that the conventional medicine system of treating symptoms doesn't work. They get to the cause and then they want to share that with the rest of the world. And you're doing a good job with that. And why did you decide to dedicate your study in this book to specifically hidden infections like Lyme and mold? In part, because I feel like it's so misunderstood in the chronic infection world is just so misunderstood. So I went through my own journey with it. So at the pinnacle of say my symptom picture, I would sometimes have to be carried because I couldn't walk. I was forgetting where I lived. I was having crazy numbness in my hands. And sometimes I'd have to pull over because I'd be driving and I couldn't even feel the steering wheel, like real scary stuff, you know? And so that was what originally piqued my interest. But what was even interesting in that was just because naturopathic medical school is so similar to conventional medicine in how hard we are pushed. So in school, it was just so easy to really kind of blow it off as medical school syndrome, right? And it really didn't get looked at or addressed addressed too much. And then when I got out and my friends were getting better and they were like, oh, we've recovered from medical school disease and I was getting worse. That's when I really started doing a lot of research, like largely out of necessity. And then once, you know, doing the research and following other Lyme literate docs in the field and learning more about Lyme and mold in this whole world, of course, then it's like Pandora's box, right? So I open it up and everything just started flooding out with the knowledge and the misinformation that's out there and the updated studies that haven't made their way into the conventional community yet. So it was really kind of like a a forced deep dive into the topic initially. Yeah, and I want to start with mold specifically, and then we'll go to Lyme and some other hidden infections. Um, personally, I was I was impacted by mold. The and I mean, I live in Florida, right? So mold is everywhere in Florida. And the house that I used to live in, I didn't know, but it had chronic uh, or a, a lot of black mold, I should say, hidden black molds. 
And I remember at that time I was doing keto and fasting. I was doing CrossFit. I actually owned a CrossFit gym at that time. But I was still having to nap in the afternoons. I was still having sleep issues. I was still not feeling right. And then I started to um, work with Dr. Daniel Pompa, who's my mentor. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Pompa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he started to ask me questions like, how does your house smell? Do people say it smells like mildew? Or they all these questions. And I eventually hired a company to come in and, oh my gosh, mold is in the HVAC. Mold is behind my walls. And I had eight silver fillings in my mouth, right? So I was like getting banged up. And it really impacted me. And I actually moved out of the house and did an extensive detox. So I saw what it did to my health. And I was in my 20s. I was pretty young. And what it did to improve my health when I got out of the exposure and and, and did a proper detox. So please get into molds. Some of the things to pay attention to, commonly missed ways to test it. Let's just dive deep into mold to, to start the conversation. Yeah, there's a couple of places to start based upon what you are sharing about your own history with it. And the one is just to make sure all your listeners are very clear that when we're talking about mold illness, what we're classically talking about is a genetic anomaly where our immune system is not able to recognize mold toxins. So if we breathe them in and our immune system doesn't recognize them, the immune system doesn't recognize them, it doesn't remove them, and then the impacts and all the symptomatology that we can go through is based upon the level of mold that's actually entered our system and the lack of the ability of our immune system to remove it. So that's point number one, so everybody understands that. It's also possible we can have things like mold spores growing in our body, so we could have a situation where it's the toxins and the mold, but most classically, we're talking about the toxic overload. Now, one of the points I want to be making sure to touch back on what you said around smelling mold. Smelling mold is awesome in many ways because smelling mold is like an easy way to know it's there. And so that's a great, you know, it's a great first initial question. I think it's like a really important initial question, but I just want to make sure that everybody is aware that while molds, the the smell that we're actually smelling is actually volatile organic compounds, VOC, similar to, you know, our VOC paints, right? But not all molds like admit this really large VOC. So there are some molds that you could have growing in your house that are not emitting this. And so the smell test is, is you can look at it almost like as a, if you smell it, it's a positive test. If you don't smell it, it doesn't really mean anything. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and what about the thought? Because I remember him asking me also, like when you leave your house and go on vacation for a few days, do you feel better when you versus coming back home? How do you, how do you feel about that question? I love that question. And again, I think with so many of these questions, we need to be very clear on what they tell us and what they don't tell us. So it's estimated that up to 50% of the buildings in the United States actually have water damage. So if you leave and you go away and you feel better, again, that's like, great, because that's a positive sign that you don't have mold in your house or something else in your house that's like, or I'm sorry, if you feel better, it's a positive sign you do have mold in your house or something else that's bothering you. But because so many places have mold in them, it's just, it's so statistically possible, right, that you could leave and then enter up, end up in another moldy place. So if you leave and you're like, I feel exactly the same, it's not telling us, no, you don't have mold there. So good question. It can definitely give us information, like any question that we just have to be clear about what it's telling us and what it's not. I know there's a whole host of symptoms that can manifest similar to Lyme, right? But what are the most common symptoms that you've seen from mold exposure? 
I would say almost in everybody across the board is pain of some sort. And that pain could be fibromyalgia. It could be manifesting as something like rheumatoid. It could be headaches or migraines. So the type of pain is different, but it's almost always there on some level. So that's, I would say, the most statistically common symptom. Uh, Chronic fatigue is another big one. So that's usually there. Brain fog is another real, real common one. So those are oftentimes the top three, but then all sorts of other things because the nervous system gets so dysregulated and there's so much neuroinflammation that happens that we can see like pseudo ALS, we can see pseudo Parkinson's, we can see, you know, really, really scary stuff like that. And then it can be very, very simple things such as even digestive problems because we see mold affect the digestive tract. Another thing is women will oftentimes think that they are going through early menopause if, you know, they're far away from that, that date happening. And because it will manifest as so much hormonal dysregulation, it can cause hormonal dysregulation and can lead to things like these really, really intense hot flashes, you know, waking up drenched in sweat, things that we commonly see in menopause. So, you know, to kind of sum this all up in some ways, mold is a great mimicker. There's many, there's, you know, quite a few things we could put in this category, but mold, the other time I tell people to think about mold because it's the great mimicker beyond even some of these basic symptoms is if you're in a situation where you've had a lot of lab tests done and and everything is coming up and it's like, yeah, you're largely normal. Like if you fall into that category and it's like, hmm, what else could be doing with like causing this? That's another just like keynote, like nobody knows what's wrong with me you should probably look into mold. Fair point. Uh, and mo- most people should probably look into mold, <laughs> like especially if you live in Florida, a very humid place. What is your favorite way? I know there's different ways to test, to have a company come in and test. There's ERMI tests, there's this test. What's your favorite method for testing mold? You know, what's a really great test that I actually have will be updated in that book in the second edition is the Panel 7 by Envirobinomics. And the panel seven, I really like because it is not just looking at mold, but it's looking at other microorganisms that can actually be found in water damage build water damage buildings. So gram negative bacteria, gram positive bacteria, like actinomyces. And so now we're seeing that in these water damage buildings, like while the topic is mold, that there's also these other microorganisms that can still contribute to essentially this water damage building syndrome. And so the panel seven is the most thorough panel on the market that I've seen for a home mold test, as far as really being able to look at all of these microorganisms. If you're going to do strictly mold, you could do an ERMI is a really great test. Or if you want to get a reduced version of the ERMI and look for the the most important molds from a biotoxin perspective, you could do the hurts me. But if you're going to be really thorough, I would do the panel seven. I've never heard of the panel seven. I'm going to look that up. Have you looked into pure maintenance at all and the work that they're doing for mold? No, but it sounds like I need to. Yeah, I think that would be right up your alley. Um, Pure maintenance is usually who we use and they are nationwide and they do a really good job with it. But I'm going to look into this. Now, sometimes this is going to sound crazy, but you might agree with me. Sometimes people won't change things for their health, but if it's impacting their pets, they will. So does mold impact dogs and cats and pets as well? You know, it's funny. I don't, I haven't seen anybody that have pets in their house say that their pets are 
impacted. It's, it's hard though, because you can't have talk to this pet and say, how do you feel on a scale of one to 10, right? It's, it's really- and that's where I was going to go. It's like, exactly. It's hard for that reason. And it's also like most people that are I'm working with are not taking their pets into the vet to specifically do this. I do know there's like a really common staph microorganism called Marcon's that we said it's very, very common in moles. And I did have one patient test his dog for Marcon's to see if Marcon's actually was transmitted to the dog. And his dog had Marcon's. So that was definitely interesting from the you know veterinary perspective. But yeah, it's a really interesting question. Like in some ways it would make so much sense that it would affect them too, but it also is a genetic condition. And like, does, does that genetic condition, you know, exist in, in, you know, in uh, our home pets? And I don't know the answer to that, but I like the question. Yeah. I don't know the answer either. I can tell you anecdotally that my dog, when we lived in the house that had mold, his energy levels definitely decreased as a result. Um, So I did notice that just by paying attention to him. He wanted shorter walks, more shade, less sun. And he was, you know, pretty young back then. He's now just turned nine, but back then he was like three or four years old, which is pretty young. So that is interesting. And I think it's a good question to ponder, but I, I, you know, number one is do a test, get a test done, verify if you have mold. If you do, then you can do something about it. Do you put any value in the uh, visual contrast test, looking at vision as as a as a way of like uh, mold toxicity? Oh man, I go back and forth with this one. Like it's a, it is a test that we're using in the clinic at this point, but I am really honestly at this point questioning the utility because I'm not seeing like it's a conversation that I'm actively going back and forth with my business partner because it's I don't feel like with what I've seen. I don't feel like I've seen a strong correlation with like changes on the VCS and improvement in symptoms, but I know other people in the field do. So this is, you know, kind of the the conundrum or the quandary, I would say for me with that test at this point is, is it valuable? Because I personally don't see, but I also trust my colleagues that are using it and like, Hey, this works really, really well. So for me, it's a, it's a questionable thing that I am holding with an extremely open um, curiosity and a very meticulous eye right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good answer. Uh, I used to use it often and I actually stopped using it because I wasn't convinced about it either. I, I, I just thought it was more of kind of a distraction. So other things that we can do that I felt were better. So I'm kind of on the same page as you. I know the book has a lot more information on what to do if you have mold and the proper way to get it out of your body, how long it takes, do you need to get rid of all your stuff? You can learn about that in the book, but maybe if you could give my audience a couple of general rules of thumb to follow, if you do have mold, what are the next steps for you? Yeah, the biggest thing is to really understand if you do have mold, how much you have. So using those tests that we talked about, whether it's the panel seven or you know the company you mentioned, um, using those tests will really help you identify not just what molds are there, but the quantity of those molds. And so the big thing is, is the quantity is high enough, you really are going to have to move. Like it just, it's probably, I would say, for those of us in the mold profession, we can do a panel discussion. We all have like slightly different opinions on like, oh, you know, how we treat and these sorts of things. But probably the one thing that is going to be most likely in a panel discussion that you will find us mold literate docs, you know, agree upon 
is that it's really, really difficult, if not impossible, to get somebody well in a house that is severely moldy. So that's definitely take home point number one. You can also remediate. It doesn't mean you have to leave. It just means mold has to disappear. You can stay or go, depending upon what you want to do, right? So that's a really, really big point. Another thing in, you know, in talking about, say, this panel discussion that I find that so many people get confused about because there's a lot of us talking about this topic. And of course, we all have different approaches. And so, you know, my clients will come to me and be like, do you use this approach or do you use this approach or do you this approach? And what are your beliefs? And my beliefs are probably in some ways, you know, maybe frustrating for people because they're not clear cut because my general belief is it depends. And so what works for one person is not going to be the same that works for another person. So my encouragement to listeners would be, you know, try something, try something in a methodical way, in a way you can test, in a way that you're not pushing your system too hard. And if it doesn't work, then that's not the thing for you and move on to a different treatment strategy and that sort of thing. So definitely not one treatment strategy. And one other point that I think is super, super important to make about mold and detox in general, and this kind of overlaps with Lyme a little bit, is the concept of, of herxing and detox and die-off. And herxing is a little more associated with die-off reactions, but the concept with mold is really the same, which is you start to detox somebody and there's more toxins that the body starts processing through the liver than the liver can keep up with. And as we're processing all of these things, the body starts feeling worse. So if migraines are your thing from mold, all of a sudden you've had the worst migraine in your whole life. And some people really feel and kind of talk about the herxing, the die-off, the detox, whatever we're labeling these reactions as. Some people really talk about these as being like pushed through them. You know, you got to get through it. And what I have seen is for most people, that's not the right thing. A better thing is like, why are you not detoxing? What's not working? How can we do this in a better way? Because that process is really inflaming you and that. Typically, I see that if we push that process too long, it actually takes the overarching treatment way longer because now we have to calm your system. And now you might not respond well to some of these products that you would have if we just did this in a slower way and really listen to the feedback loop from your body. Well said. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, moving parts here. That's why it's important to get the book, reach out to Dr. Diane Mueller and learn more you want to take mold serious because it's a, it's a serious thing. I always say structure trumps intention. You could have all the best intentions in the world, but if you don't have the structure in place, it's going to be very difficult to get the amazing keto and fasting results that you want. If you are on the go traveling and you don't want to think about what can you eat to help you feel satisfied and to help you continue getting results on your keto journey, for me, my structure when I'm on the go when I'm traveling and when I want to have something nearby that's a healthy snack, my go-to is Paleo Valley's beef sticks. Paleo Valley beef sticks are the perfect gut-friendly, clean protein snack for on the go. And if you have children, this is one of the best things to give your kids. These beef sticks are 100% grass-fed and finished by farmers right here in the United States. They contain naturally occurring probiotics, which helps increase the diversity in your gut. It contains organic spices. It has high concentrations of omega-3 fatty acids, elevated levels of conjugated linoleic acid, which we know is an antioxidant and also could enhance your body's ability to burn fat. It contains vitamins and minerals, elevated concentrations of glutathione, which is your body's master antioxidant, and it's good for the environment. 
They have flavors that range from original to garlic summer sausage, regular summer sausage, jalapeno, teriyaki, and they also have turkey sticks available as well. They taste so good that I usually go through three or four, and I think I might set the record for eating almost 10 Paleo Valley beef sticks. Maybe somebody out there has eaten more than me in one sitting. You know, me and my fiance, Natasia, we're always fighting over these beef sticks in our house. We go into the pantry and I hear her unwrapping it and I'm like, hey, are you eating one of my beef sticks? <laughs> they are delicious. And since you are a avid listener of the Keto Camp podcast, we worked out an exclusive deal for you to get 15% off your entire order of Paleo Valley products. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. That is KETOCAMP15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. A lot of people are probably going to do maybe the remediation or maybe even move to a different place, but if they don't detox the mold out of their body, they're not going to get well, correct? They still need to, first of all, remove the source. The second step, they got to get it out of their body because it'll stay there unless you get it out, correct? Correct. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing with having that immunal, immunological problem is it's just going to build up and stay there. And it does like when we are out of that moldy environment, right, we can see symptomatic improvement. But as far as really getting the health back on track, we need to support the detoxification systems that are not working correctly because of the immune problem and actually go on a full-on, you know, detox program, which does not mean that, you know, you have to go on like a water fast or anything crazy like that. It just means that we need to support the actions of detox in your body so that your body does that process better. When you started to study mold and how to detox mold, were who were some of the people that you studied? Was it like Dr. Richie Shoemaker? Was it any, who, anybody in the field that really stood out to you? Yeah, I definitely went through a lot of his, Dr. Richie Shoemaker's work online. I didn't like do his like formal training, but I did read a lot of his work online and study his 11-step protocol. Never really did that entirely, um, you know, start to finish that mechanism because I do tend towards more natural methods, but I do pull pieces out of that and, you know, and I like to be studied in other people in the field so I know what other people are doing. So definitely did, you know, work on that. And then a lot of really working with mold is understanding detox processes. So like Dr. Chris Shade from Quicksilver Labs, like friend and colleague of mine, um, I've learned so much from him and he's really helped from a, you know, detox perspective and figuring out missing links. So some of it was, you know, finding certain people that specialize in and others were more of people like Dr. Shade, which is like, okay, it's not really just about mold, but it's really about understanding detox at this really, really granular level. Yeah. I love, I uh, love Dr. Chris Shade's work as well. Um, I remember when I was in my moldy home, I was uh, I had frequent urination. Is that a common symptom too? Like why do I why did I get frequent urination? Yeah, so when we have mold, one of the things that will oftentimes lower for people is antidiuretic hormone. So antidiuretic hormone is that hormone that signals our kidney to reabsorb water so we don't basically urinate it all out. And when we have mold for some people, not for everybody, we'll actually see a decline in this hormone level. And then we don't have that signal 
to the kidney to reabsorb water. And when that signal's missing, then we wind up urinating more of our water out. And that's like the chronic person that is like, or the person that is chronically thirsty and they're always drinking. They're like, no matter how much I drink, I can never alleviate the thirst. That's often a you know keynote sign. And you can test for antidiuretic hormone. You can also test for osmolality, which will give us similar information. Yeah, well said. Now yeah, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. let's, let's transition now into Lyme, right? Um, a lot of people think, yeah, I don't live in the Northeast or New England. Like I've never been bit by tick. I don't have to worry about Lyme, but let's debunk that right now. Yeah. Oh man. There's so much to say on this. So first of all, like Lyme is very, very ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's, you know, I should say it's largely everywhere. There's this songbird that has been identified that actually, and I talk about this in the book, the songbird actually carries larvae of infected ticks. And as the songbird flies and it basically defecates over the earth, it's basically dropping wherever in its fly zone these infected tick larvae. And so the tick then, you know, breed and all of a sudden we have a new population of, you know, of these infected ticks and their related diseases. There's also very limited studies, but there are a couple studies that have shown that that Lyme and Borrelia burgdorferi, the bacteria that causes Lyme, has been found in mosquitoes and fleas. So that's another thing, even when we're thinking about, okay, you know, this like, okay, if I'm not in the woods and I'm not around these deer ticks and all these different things, now we're actually seeing like, oh, you're on a lake and you just get bit by a bunch of mosquitoes. There's potential that that could also be a way of transmitting Lyme as well. So those are, you know, a couple of things for people to know around, you know, the, this isn't just a, you know, Northeast type of thing. And this can happen in a lot, in many more common situations. I know there was a study in San Francisco. And I don't remember the, I don't, I wish I had the exact percentage, but it was really, really high. They went through a, a lot of the parks in the, in the Bay Area and the city. And they were actually testing the number of parks that they found Lyme disease in. And I don't remember the exact number, but I know it was more than half. So it was like, it was a lot. So, you know, that's another example of like, we're even seeing this research showing like, here we find it here, here we find it in these other areas. But yet, unfortunately, it's not reaching mainstream as quickly as I would love for it to reach mainstream. Yeah, well, I mean, you're doing, you're good, doing a good job making sure it does now. This episode is going to get to a lot of people. Your book is doing a good job of explaining that. So now we have everybody's attention. If, if you live in, where it doesn't matter where you live, you got songbirds pooping on you, you got <laughs> mosquitoes and <laughs> fleas. You know, this is an issue for a lot of people. So when Lyme comes in the form of bacteria, right? Different bacteria... Um, explain what happens when that enters the body. What does that do to the immune system? What does that do to our system in general? Yeah, so a couple of different things here. I mean, one is to just take a step back to also help people understand this. With Lyme, when we're saying it's bacteria, it's this bacteria called Borrelia burgdorferi. And the other thing I want people to be aware of is there's other species of Borrelia. So there's Borrelia miyamotai, for example. And this is not classically Lyme because it's not Borrelia burgdorferi but it can cause a lot of the same symptoms. But if you're only looking for Lyme, all of these other species are not going to show up. So when we're talking about Lyme, I want to kind of open up this conversation as far as what happens in your question to all these different species of Borrelia, one being Borrelia burgdorferi, aka Lyme, two being all these other species of Borrelia that can largely cause similar symptoms. 
And so one of the biggest things when we get these infections is these Borrelia species are, they have the ability to morph. They have different what we call morphologies. And morphologies, you can look at them as like just, just different shapes of the microorganism. And so one of the reasons this is important is because these three different shapes also, and the ability of the Borrelia to change between these three different shapes also allows the Borrelia to evade our immune system because if our immune system has figured out, oh, it's in this one shape, and then all of a sudden the Borrelia, because it's really an intelligent microorganism, it will switch to a new shape and the immune system has to figure that out, right? So, wow. yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's I don't, a shape shifter. It's, it's a clever a little bastard. Yeah, it's Jeez. like it puts on costumes and nobody can find it, you know? <laughs> That's evil. Yeah, it's it's quite evil. I have all these theories about, you know, Lyme being an alien species, but we can talk about that another time. Wow, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Is that in your book? I don't remember no, saying no, that. No, no, no. This is just one <laughs> thing I do in my evening time. <laughs> <laughs> so it shifts the shape so the immune system doesn't recognize it so it could penetrate and get to where it wants to get to. Correct. Now, if the, the immune system starts recognizing these new shifts and then it creates an autoimmune response, like the immune system goes on overdrive, is that what could happen? It, I or mean, no? definitely could because Lyme can certainly trigger autoimmune disease. Like autoimmune disease, we have that genetic predisposition and then we have that epigenetic trigger, you know, that that it causes that gene to express. So the epigenetic trigger could be Lyme. So it can be that, yes, we have a autoimmune disease of lupus and we have all of a sudden, we have Lyme disease, lupus was never expressed, it's been genetically dormant, Lyme is that trigger. So we can certainly have that happen, but it's not necessarily an autoimmune response that happens. So it's from a standpoint of like autoimmune disease where our immune system's on overdrive, it starts attacking our own tissues. It's not necessarily what's happening. Now, what does happen though, is because Lyme has one of its shapes is this corkscrew type of shape. And then Lyme also has flagella. So it's like almost like these tails that make it like pretty modile. And so because of the corkscrew shape, you know, you can imagine like this corkscrew just driving into our tissues. And so that's part of how Lyme's able to move. It's how it's able to go inside of our cells and hide. And so that's part of what it's doing when it gets into the body is almost like spreading out in all these places. In part, it's looking for its food source. One of its main food sources is hyaluronic acid. That's why we see a lot of Lyme in places like the eye and our joints, because these are huge resources of one of its um, energy sources. But largely, it just is traveling in the body, looking for its food source, burrowing from tissues, evading our immune system and changing shapes. That's interesting. So it loves hyaluronic acid. So you find it more so around the eyes and where else did you say? Where do, joints. Where, eyes and joints. So yeah. is it eating away at that hyaluronic acid, essentially aging us? People will feel like they're getting older faster with this? Correct. Yep. And that's why we can see some of the joint pain is because we're actually wearing down, you know, we get inflammation and we're wearing down our joint tissue there with that hyaluronic acid. This alien evil thing is bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Get this alien species out of us. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that. I know that there's a lot of pitfalls with conventional medicine and how it treats Lyme. And I want you to share those false negatives and then how to do it the right way. And I love the lab that you use. I use them too. So go ahead. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the lab I use is Vibrant Wellness and I use them because they are just, I think the most thorough on the, on the market. They use a couple of different testing technologies. Yeah. They're amazing to work with. They test for so many of these species of Borrelia. And really, I think they're the most thorough tests on the market. I get $0 for saying that. I just think they're the best. Um, yeah. So they're super wonderful. And then controversial wise, one of the biggest controversial topics really comes around the topic of doxycycline. So doxycycline, the most common antibiotic that is prescribed for Lyme is prescribed that because the form that we are contracting when we're talking about these different shapes, the form that we contract, basically doxy works quite well on. The problem is doxy will actually cause 90 something percentage of that particular shape to morph into a more dormant form of the Lyme disease. And so people get better because we're clearing the most active form and the research supports that. But there's these subsequent studies which are really showing that so much of the doxy is, is creating these more dormant forms. And so then it's like, we're temporary better. We think we don't, like Lyme's not even our, on our radar because we've treated it. And then years later, we have all of these Lyme-related symptoms, which happen to be very similar to mold-related symptoms. And nobody even is looking for Lyme because that was something that happened in the past. And wow. so it's not, I'm not saying that doxy shouldn't be used, but the idea of using doxy if we're doing an antibiotic and we're going that route, and I have, you know, I use them sometimes. I use a lot of natural methods, you know, predominantly. There are times for antibiotics though. And when using something like Doxy, it's really, really important to be combining the treatment with some of these other methodologies to basically help prevent this whole dormancy thing from happening. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, not to mention what the uh, antibiotic is doing to your, your gut microbiome, right? The impact of that, which, which is hard to get back even from one round. Uh, you also mentioned that a uh, 66% chance of a false negative with the conventional way of testing Lyme. Is that right? Yeah. So basically the conventional way of testing Lyme is using a test called the ELISA. And how this test works and how the, the diagnostics works is the ELISA is kind of the gold standard preliminary test. And if the ELISA is positive, only if it shows up positive, then the test is what's called reflux is basically within the secondary test is ordered. And that secondary test is the Western blot. Now, what's interesting is the Western blot is actually more likely to show up positive than the ELISA. The ELISA has that 66% chance of the false negative, but yet we're using it as that gold standard. So yeah, there's this huge false negative, 66% chance, you know, percent chance, really, really huge. And we don't even make it diagnostically into the secondary testing, which the Western blot has its own problems, but we don't even make it that far if you're in that 66% of that false negative. That's wild. That is insane. You know, it reminds me of how they test for like H. pylori, for example. It's like the and the analogy that I heard about that is like putting a bucket in a river and seeing what comes up there. It's like, yeah, you might catch something, you might not, but it's like, that doesn't really work. It's not accurate. So yeah. The test yeah. Is, Parasites is, are that way too. Yeah, exactly. So the test is Vibrant Wellness Tick-Borne Panel. Uh, you do need yeah. a practitioner to order that. Dr. Diane Mueller could be your practitioner. What's your website for them to reach out to you? So the easiest website to find me is actually just my name because it has my book on there, it has my clinic on there, all of that. So if you just go to drdianemuller.com, um, you'll find my clinic, you'll find my book. I have a training program for docs. So that's where you can just find all of the things in one place. Awesome. We'll put it down below, but we're not done. We have still a lot of ground to cover. 
Um, we still haven't touched upon my favorite part of your work in your book, which is the brain and the mindset, the limbic system. We're going to get there. We're actually going to end the conversation with that. Before we get there, I want to talk more about hidden infections. So we spoke about mold. Quick question on mold, by the way, before we move on. I remember when I had mold, <laughs> Dr. Pompa told me I had mold eyes, these hollow eyes, and uh, that kind of got, got a lot better. But why does that happen, mold eyes? You know, I have not heard, honestly, that term and looked that up specifically. So I can't say for 100%, but I can presume. So my best educated guess on that is due to the amount of water that's lost, due to the change in, because we get a lot of electrolyte change in mold, in part because of the large amount of dehydration. So a lot of our chemicals from an electrolyte standpoint, that chemical conductivity standpoint is off. So that could cause it. In Chinese medicine, that because I also have my doctorate in Chinese medicine, and in Chinese medicine, that sort of symptom is often talked about from a kidney perspective. So from a Chinese medicine perspective, we would say, oh, there's something going on the kidneys, which is also interesting, right? Because that kind of brings us back to the whole dehydration picture. So, you know, so I haven't, you know, researched that exact symptom to say 100% why mechanistically, but that would be my best educated guess. Yeah, that's a good that's a good guess because I remember at that time I was doing keto, I was doing fasting, I had mold exposure, and I was doing CrossFit. I mean, you talk about dehydration, that definitely factored into it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, does mold like lime also eat away at hyaluronic acid? No, but mold just causes so much tissue inflammation. So you can still have a lot of joint pain, but it's going to be less of eating away at that hyaluronic acid and more just do the extreme inflammation. It will actually, you know, break down cartilage and you see some of that stuff happening due to inflammation, but I'm in the inflammatory cytokines and that sort of thing, but not directly on hyaluronic acid that I've ever found in research. Okay. Okay. And now let's talk about heavy metals, which is another, you know, form of hidden stress or hidden infection. I yeah. had eight. I had eight silver fillings in my mouth for twenty plus years. Right, silver amalgam fillings, super toxic mercury vaporizing into the brain, causing chronic low grade inflammation. So I got them out from a biological dentist. Very important. Don't go to a regular dentist. Go to a holistic biological dentist. I a o m t dot org to find one. And uh, two sessions, four four out. Detox the right way. So let's talk about metals. What have you seen with metals causing mercury, lead, cadmium, heavy metals causing these issues with inflammation and just um, immune, hyperactive immune system, all that stuff? So I definitely say, and so in 12 years of working in this field, I have not seen metals as a standalone, meaning like I've never once tested one person and, be, and seen you only have metals as a problem. You don't have all of these other toxic accumulation issues. So in my, you know, in my opinion, I see it like not saying that couldn't happen. Like it definitely could. It's just not been what's walked into my clinic. And so, you know, when I, when I've really worked with metals, it's been a huge part of just raising that toxic load, right? Because toxins, like the way I describe, uh, describe toxins to make sure everybody really truly understands is like in some ways, it's like, this is very, very oversimplistic, but in some ways it's almost like you have a, a cup of tea and with every drop of tea that goes into that mug, that represents toxin, right? And symptoms don't really truly manifest until you reach that last drop, cup spills over. 
Other than that, your body is detoxing, you're getting things out as it's coming in. So the big thing with metals, like absolutely, I mean, we know, you know, the impact on brain fog, we know the impact on um, the inflam you know, inflammatory effect on the nervous system. We know the impact on things like our gut and fungal infections and how metals can really um, worsen fungal infections. We've seen things like metals impact on kidneys and kidney inflammation. So we know all of these areas, right, that metals do affect us, you know, as standalone. Typically in the most common way I see metals though, really is as a piece of this whole biotoxic accumulation picture. And it's just one of the things that we need to detox out of many. Yeah, absolutely we do. You know, what about breast implants? I know that breast implants kind of have all of these things we mentioned, right? Breast implants could have mold. I don't know if it could have Lyme. You could let me know. But metals could be in breast implants. I mean, they find a whole host of things. So what about breast implant illness? I mean, it's a very real thing. I mean, I definitely have dealt with sev several people in my practice, not a ton, but several people who've gotten breast implants out. And then all of a sudden, like, wow, I'm 50% better, like right after surgery, and we haven't even done anything else yet. So it's definitely a huge, I think, important topic. Some of it is I think they get infected and inflamed. Others is that the actual implants can start leaking and getting into the system. So it can look a couple different ways. But yeah, it can be a breeding ground for these toxins. I haven't ever seen anything about the breast implants actually housing Lyme. I'd be very curious about that. Like to me, that would make sense. But I haven't seen anything studied specifically on that. Yeah, me neither. So I'm curious as well. I know that I've seen studies that uh, breast implants do house mold and metals, but Lyme, I'm not sure. Either way, it's a hidden stressor, something that we want to deal with the right way. Hey, Keto Camper, there's a simple tip that I teach to my students inside of my Keto Camp Academy that really helps them on their journey in the great land of ketosis. Now, a lot of people who do keto, they tend to struggle because they are missing this simple little tip. And that is the importance of replenishing your electrolytes, especially when you lower your carbohydrate intake, like ketosis, you're going to lose a lot of extra water weight. That's a good thing. You're going to look lighter. You're going to feel lighter. But the kidneys go through this diuresis process and you do release electrolytes as well. That's why so many people do keto, but they have unpredictable mood swings energy crashes, they feel exhausted, and they're wondering, why am I not getting all those amazing benefits everybody speaks about with keto? The simple fix, use a high-quality electrolyte. The one that I use, the one that I love, is Upgraded Charge from Upgraded Formulas. I love them because it's a unique proprietary absorption method with nanoparticles, and it has a 99.99% absorption rate. This is maximum bioavailability. Upgraded Charge includes upgraded magnesium, upgraded zinc, upgraded sodium, potassium, and it tastes freaking awesome. It actually tastes like a non-alcoholic margarita. The flavor comes from a natural lime peel. Take Upgraded Charge during your intermittent fast throughout your day, replenish those electrolytes, and you're going to notice a difference in your energy, your mood, and you're going to really maximize the incredible benefits of ketosis. Upgraded Formulas has given you a 15% off coupon code for being a valuable listener of the Keto Camp Podcast. That is awesome. They're awesome. If you head to UpgradedFormulas.com and use the coupon code KK15 at checkout, 
you can get 15% off their upgraded charge and anything else you add to your cart. That is upgradedformulas.com. Use the coupon code KK15 at checkout. I will also drop a link for you down below in the notes. Okay, now let's get to my favorite part of your book, which is the title, right? Using your mind. Uh, I love studying the mind. Of course, as you know, we have the conscious mind and we have the subconscious mind. We have the brain and different parts of the brain. So I'm going to share with you, Diane, my challenges that I think you've probably seen with people who have gone through being sick, going out of the, getting out of the exposure, mold, fillings out, doing detox, but the brain not catching up, the limbic system not catching up. So I remember I was out of my mold exposure, moved into a brand new apartment here in Bay Harbor Islands, did detox. You know, I did all the things, but I would get into an elevator. Somebody had cologne. Oh my gosh, my immune system. And I'm like heart racing, get into an Uber, air freshener, heart racing. And my, my brain would like say, go save yourself. So what was happening to me? Yeah, I totally relate. So um, for like my version of that was like when after I got out of my, all my own mold stuff and the moment I would travel and be like at a, you know, thinking about like, oh my gosh, okay, this hotel, this Airbnb, this VR, like, you know, and I would start going into panic. So it's almost like a PTSD, right? So the way, my favorite way of saying it, I actually learned from um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, the concept, the way he says it is nerves that fire together, wire together. And obviously by the title of my book, I like things that rhyme. So I like that concept, right? Um, because it's really is a simplistic way of understanding. And it's like, when the body is in this fight or flight survival thing, like when we have mold illness, there's a couple of things that are happening. One is that our threshold before nerve fires changes, meaning for healthy people, we are we have this stimulus that will actually have to be created and for a nerve to fire and make something happen, give us information. And so the stimulus, if it's not a stimulus at a certain level, then the nerve doesn't fire. You know, so an easy example is like, oh, you hear a dog barking across the street, the nervous system is, you know, in health, like, okay, that's just a dog. I don't need to pay attention to that. We don't go in survival mode. But then when we have mold, because of all the neuroinflammation, the stimulus changes and the threshold lowers. And so then all of a sudden, whoa, that dog barking across the street is just driving me nuts, right? Because it's impacting us and the stimulus has changed. So nerves that fire together, that, you know, wire together. So that happens long enough and we have the threshold of impulse that has actually been reprogrammed this way because of all of that. So that's one thing. And the other is like this PTSD type of thing, which is like really is very, very similar in, in a, say, less, um, you know, acutely impactful way, like, you know, being in war and that sort of thing of hearing, you know, the classic example of like, you know, veteran were coming, you know, coming back from war and they hear like a car backfiring and all of a sudden they're like taking cover, right? Because it sounded like something that reminded them of their, their time in the service. And so it's similar with, you know, with mold that way where it's like we recover from it, but the nerves that are have wired together are now firing differently to different levels of stimuli. So you smell cologne and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that stimuli threshold is still right there. And then secondarily, it's enough of a reminder to the nervous system from like a PTSD perspective where the subconscious trigger is like, I'm in danger. And the danger response goes off much quicker. Hmm. Well, well said. That's exactly what was happening to me. So what I did was, in that situation, I would just remind myself, 
you're healthy, you're safe, your body's protecting you. Like, and I would have kind of forced myself to go through the situation instead of running. And it's gotten a lot better over time. There are scenarios where, you know, I walk in and there's a lot of cologne. I'm like, whoa, that person put out a lot of cologne. <laughs> What's wrong with them? But then I would kind of just, you know, become aware of my thoughts and get and go through it. So your book talks a lot about that. You mentioned Joe Dispenza in the book as well. And you chose to actually put that on your title, like use your mind. So why is it so important to become aware of those 60,000 thoughts that we have every single day? Yeah, I chose to put that on the title, even though, as you know, you know, from reading the book, there's so much stuff in the body there. And it's definitely not a mind only book by any means. But I chose that specifically for the title, because I feel like it's still an area where we're not talking about as much in the Lyme and mold community. And so it's really to largely just make the point of we get so excited about the protocols and the treatment and all these things. And part of that really needs to be working with the mind because it's, it's all these triggers we're talking about. But, but like I say in the book, you know, it's like remembering my own history. And like, I talked to my clients about this too, about this body scan thing that happens where it's like, wake up and it's morning and wake up. And it's like, what's wrong with me today? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And so all of these types of subconscious thoughts, you know, that are just firing because it feels like we can't control them because we haven't learned how to control them yet. And those types of thoughts are actually secreting cortisol. They're secreting adrenaline. And so they're really ramping up the process of the PTSD and that sort of thing and how we get ahead of it. You know, if we're going to stay away from anti-anxiety medications, which I would recommend for most people, how we get ahead of that is actually to get to the root of what's triggering those things. And if we're not in an, a truly an acute situation that really is fight or flight, what's triggering cortisol, what's triggering adrenaline largely has so much to do with what we're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not just the mold and Lyme space that fails to work on the I call the inner size. It's the entire health space. You're so right. You nailed it. I, I agree. Uh, mental six pack. It's so important. Yep. <laughs> More so than a physical one. You want a mental one. So I love that you emphasize that in your book. It's it's very, very important. So the book is called Use Your Mind to Heal Your Mold and Lime. It rhymes. It's available. Where's the best place for them to get it, actually? Um, you can find it, like I said, right off drdianemuller.com. You can also go directly to Amazon and just search for it on there and it'll come up. We'll put both those links down below. Chapter 15 is the one where you discuss the mind and the thoughts and all that good stuff, which is very important. Don't neglect the inner work. That's the fundamentals. Everything works better when you have a strong foundation and mindset is part of that. Where else, Diane, would you like for them to check you out? Uh, social media, web, uh, you mentioned the website, but anywhere else? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram. I've been kind of playing around with TikTok. Um, I do have a business coaching program also for female entrepreneurs. So if there's anybody listening that's in that space, you can find that at femmeetsfortune.com. You can also find that link on my main name website. So largely, if you go to my main you know, name website, you'll find all of that. But you can find me um, on Instagram and those kind of places too. Great. How are you liking TikTok? I'm actually really initially I was like really uh, having a hard time with it, but I'm starting to get into the groove of it. And I'm really actually enjoying kind of the artistic creative part of being like, I have 15 seconds to say something in a creative fun way. So I'm just starting to I feel like start, uh, understand the platform a little bit more as far as how to get the best out of it. But I, Monday's my marketing day and the TikToks I made on Monday, I got done. I'm like, that was real fun. <laughs> 
I love it. Yeah, TikTok, TikTok is an interesting place. That's actually, it surpassed our biggest platform. We're about to hit 300,000 uh, followers on there. Is yours Medicine with Heart on there as well? Um, it's, I have one Medicine with Heart. I have another Fem with Fem Meets Fortune. So I'm going to follow the Medicine with Heart now. Oh, there we go. I see it right here. Cool. I'm going to start following you there to see your fun stuff. The last thing that we'll, we'll end the conversation with and land the plane, um, I always talk about this vitamin that I believe is the most potent, strongest vitamin in the world. You can't overdose on it. It's free. It's called vitamin G. And Dr. Joe Dispenza has actually done brain scans. You know where I'm getting to. He's done brain scans on individuals. They take vitamin G. 1,200 chemical reactions go on instantaneously. They put the body in this anti-inflammatory state. And it's the practice of gratitude, being in a grateful, abundant state, which is right in line with your chapter 15. So my question to you is, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful for being here. I'm grateful for meeting my three-week-old nephew this weekend and getting some baby love. Um, I'm grateful for being able to work out every day. I'm grateful for snowboarding, for my guitar, for my supportive community, my family, so many things. Ah, I love that. So many things. And what you appreciate, appreciate. So I appreciate you, Diane. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for your awesome book. I can't wait for uh, the second edition as well. You're doing amazing work. Honestly, you're getting to the root cause of so many people who just don't feel well, even though they're doing the best supplements and nutrition, but they just are discovering new things with your work. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Ben. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed that incredible conversation with Dr. Diane Mueller. A good start for you would be to go get her book titled Use Your Mind to Heal Your Mold and Lyme, A Survivor's Guide. We'll drop a link down below, including her website and social media. Go check her out. If you want to watch the video format of today's podcast interview, that could be found on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash ketocamp. All podcast interviews could be found video format on our YouTube channel. If this episode was valuable to you, please share it with somebody you know, copy and paste the link, put it in a text message, leave the show a rating and review. And if you want to learn more about getting health coaching from me and the Keto Camp coaches that I train, send me a message on Instagram at the Benazadi is my Instagram handle. Just shoot me the message with the word energy, E-N-E-R-G-Y, and I'll get you some details. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp podcast. I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.